Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated. I'm your host, Tom Sidlatik, and I totally know the name of this show. Yay! Yay! Yay. <laughs> Today, we are here to discuss one of the all-time most influential trilogies in all of cinema. Bill and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joining me for the discussion today are my amazing wife, Phoenix. Hi. And not my wife, Billy. <laughs> hey, I'm pouring a drink right now. All right. Welcome back, guys. We haven't had either of you on since the uh, Guy Ritchie episode when we talked about 11 movies. That's right. That was so fun. Oh, yeah. It was. That was a good episode. That was really good. It, it was. was a long one, but oh, man, it was one of my favorites to do. What have you guys been up to since the last time we recorded? Well, you and I have been watching Harley Quinn, the show, the second season. Oh, yeah. And, um, this I'm going to stop you right there. It's so good. It is good. I don't know if it's as good as the first season, but it's still building up the story. It is. Length, we'll see how so. we feel at the end of it. The first season was amazing, though. Like yeah. We watched the first episode, and we were both kind of, eh. It's just the Joker it, ripping the face off. It's like, whoa. It's <laughs> really gory. They yeah. were trying very hard to set a tone. And then yeah, they kind they of dialed it back after that. Like, I felt like... They wanted a certain, I don't know what they wanted with that first episode, but the I first think, season was awesome. I think it's uh, shocking because I've watched a lot of DC cartoon movies and, you know, I was expecting one thing and then as soon as Joker just ripped the face apart, it's like, okay, this is going to be a little different from... Yeah, that's like two minutes in, so it's not even spoiler <laughs> yeah, territory. Like, it's not. Joker is disguised as another person. He just literally rips his face off. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah, it's gross. The second season or the first? First, first season. season. It's the pilot, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. They always get you with the pilot. I know. It was all the, all the gory shit. Yeah, it was really gory, but I mean, after, you know, a couple episodes in, it's like, wow, I'm really digging the show. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and then we tore through the whole first season and such a good season. Yeah. And the second season, I'm enjoying it. Um, I am. I just... A little ups and downs, but, you know, they're really getting a rhythm going here, so... I'm they go somewhere with the characters that I didn't expect yes. from the beginning of the first season, but now, like, I I scrolled to the end of the season list, and I saw the titles, I'm like, oh, well, that's a big spoiler. <laughs> well, don't do that. <laughs> so I knew this was coming. Stop going on the internet when you're interested in shows. Yeah, I'm such a big dumb idiot. Anyways, I totally interrupted you. Oh, no, it's fine. And so, we've been watching that, um, and then we've been playing Children Morta, and... That's been interesting for me. That's the hack and slash that I like, but the pixelation look that they were going for kind of drives me crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were turned on to this game from Video Games Weekly. Yep. Paul Torchy and Andrew Reiner from Game Informer are big fans of it, and so uh, we had access to it on Game Pass, which is where I would have preferred to play it, but your brother got really into it on PlayStation, and we thought maybe we could play co-op with him, so we bought it on PlayStation Store, yep. started playing it, uh, it is very much a hack and slash adventure. You're slash, uh, oh, I don't even know what genre to call it. It's like a, uh, you're doing these short dungeon dives. Like you go into yeah. the dungeon, you fight mm -hmm. a bunch of monsters until you die. And then you go back, you buy some better, you buy some upgrades for your characters. And then you go back, you do another run and then you die. And then you go back, you buy some more. <laughs> you go back, do another dungeon run and you die. Is huh. it like a Dark Souls? Because you die a lot. Um, not, I, not necessarily. Quite, like, if you're good at Dark Souls, you don't die as much as I do. So I maybe <laughs> set up poor example. It's like a lot of the video games that I see, like on cell phones these days. Oh, really? Where it's like you progress. I'm playing one right now. Where it's like you're only good up until about here, and you're slowly dying. But you can like 
sacrifice yourself at that level and you'll get like a rain of like gold and experience okay so you can then level up but then you have to go through all 500 levels again to get yeah. back to where your finishing point was that's kind of like that yeah no it's a yeah, very similar is. concept okay. all right i think the binding of isaac and isaac and i think uh there, i think there's a whole genre that sprung up around this style of game where you're doing dungeon yeah. runs and then you go back and you upgrade and i don't think it's necessarily a roguelite but uh you know, if I'm a big dumb idiot and you know the word I'm looking for, <laughs> tweet it at ThompsonLogic OIO. Good segue. But yeah. yeah, it's um, it's really fun. It's fun. And couch enjoyable. co-op is. Yeah. It's, I would say it's one of the best co- couch co-op games we found outside of the Lego games. Ooh, couch co-op. Eh? Yeah, I I would say so. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the art style. It's a very like. There are things that I like about the art style. Like, it's very colorful and beautiful, but it's also pixelated, and the characters look like garbage. They do. Like, yeah. it's just ridiculous how bad the characters look. Like, well, they did it on purpose, but to me, it's just too much on purpose. Yeah. It's a very unique, it's very distinct, very unique, but man, I just. Yeah. Sometimes how crappy everything looks just drives me crazy but the action is really fun yeah there's it a, is there's you play as a family of characters and you keep unlocking more family members uh you start out with a dad who's like a uh, big tank sort of dude he's got a shield he's got a sword which is more your style you yep. immediately get an archer his daughter and that has been all me and i freaking love playing as <laughs> Until linda the wizard's been <laughs> once we get that wizard linda's getting kicked to the curb honey i know she is <laughs> Uh, but so far, we have four characters unlocked. There's the tank, there's the archer, there's a rogue-type character, and now a monk who has yeah. been kind of your favorite. The monk, yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting because more of the grind, where Diablo, you play the story and you progress, where this is more of a grind-type story. And Diablo 4 is your favorite video game of all time. And- Diablo 3. Diablo 3. Diablo 4 doesn't exist yet. <laughs> this show is going to be baller, <laughs> y'all. Hey. We're almost to the intro. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but no, it, I mean, we played Dragon's Crown, and that's a little bit more of a grind, too. And, you know, I think I'm enjoying Children of Morta versus Dragon's Crown, but, you know, it's it's enjoyable. I'm really enjoying it, and I it'll be fun to beat the game together. So Yeah. Uh, one last point on it. It can be so annoying. Some runs have lots of health potions. Oh, yeah. That drives Most me crazy. Most runs have no health potions. So, like, None your health well. just ticks down, ticks down, ticks down, and you know your, end is, your run is going to end soon. Uh, when you get into the last, like, maybe fifth of your health, it'll regenerate up to that fifth. So if you have 100 hit points, you get down below 20, it'll regenerate back up to 20. But, like, so frustrating when you have a run and you just can't get any health potions. I know. Ugh. Yeah. It's just... Drives me crazy, especially my type of fight, and I go right in the middle, fight, and then I die, and so then he's trying to circle around. <laughs> I'm running for my life, trying to <laughs> use my area of effect attack yeah. to clear out the mob so that I can revive uh, her. Yeah. Uh, Diablo three did an awesome job streamlining the whole yeah, healing process for you, and it kind of spoiled us. Like there aren't games that are as good That's at it true. as Diablo three. It did spoil me in that regard. So. But yeah, otherwise, um, we had the Patreon party and we celebrated your birthday and let's talk about the, I'm older now. Yeah. I'm 39 years old. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, But let's talk about the Patreon party for just a second. First off, Billy, many thanks to your wife, Michelle, for taking photos of the event for us. Like we love it. She did an amazing job and I just wanted to give her credit for what an awesome job she did and how much we appreciate it. We do very much. She, uh, she had a good time. 
Okay. She, she loved taking the picture. She got a lot of good ones too. She was really yeah. Yeah, she did. She was yeah, really she pleased did. with some of the action shots during the water balloon fight that she got. Especially. Yes. <laughs> so this is a party that we did to uh, say thank you to the our supporters on Patreon. Like I do not take it lightly that my friends and some random people on the internet actually pledge money to hear this show every month. So to all of our patrons, thank you so much. Thank We're going to keep doing this party every single year because I had a blast with it. It was a lot of fun. I was a nutcase leading up to this yeah. thing. Like I had a uh, secret surprise <laughs> plan. I had water balloons. I had one water balloon for every dollar that people had pledged to the show hidden in reserve. And I'm like, honey, what if people don't like the water balloons? Honey, what if people think this party is all like, day, honey, all day tapping me, honey, honey, that was the best, honey, like one of the best parts of the time. It was such a great surprise. Yeah, it was. The party turned out great. Thank you so much to our supporters on Patreon. I hope you enjoyed it because we intend to keep doing it. And, uh, Thank you so much for your support. Truly, we really, really appreciate it. Everybody had a blast, dude. It was a great time. Great I'm party. glad to hear that. That's, yeah. And it was really awesome to see all the support, too. It you was, I mean? yeah. That was the really cool thing. It was. everybody there for you guys. Billy, what have you been up to? I have been up to uh, a birthday as well. I celebrated my 38th birthday on August 10th. Not much new since we all last spoke. A couple movies here and there. Nothing new movie-wise, though. Mm-hmm. It's... COVID's really put a wash oh, yeah. on it movie has, yeah. watching and stuff. But shows-wise, started The Boys, season two. I got to give it up to them. They did a really did, fantastic okay. job at that show. Really fantastic. Dark, funny, okay. gory. Was it more than you could swallow? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know how to answer that question. No. It, it was really good. Season two starting off well. Uh, they're doing it on a... Uh, so it's a week by week basis for oh is it uh, now doing the releases. So oh, not oh released, interesting. So I they, thought when they first the... yeah when season two came out it was like they released three episodes. And oh really? Tick 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 every Friday kind of. A oh thing. weird. Boy, that's fascinating. That must be some tactic to get people coming back to the platform because my understanding with these digital platforms or shows like yeah. when the season is ready they just drop it all at once. I've been curious how the numbers look for. I imagine everyone's people. watching. Well, like for like, do you stay on a show if you have to wait for it, or are you more dedicated to looking like you're going to watch the entire thing if they drop everything at the same time? You know what I mean? True. Because I know yeah. Netflix did that for a few shows, and I can't even remember what shows they were, but they would drop them on a week by week basis. And I'm huh. curious: do more people watch if they get all 13 episodes right away? Or do they, does the number stay consistent as they go week to week? I think there's something to the week to week. Thinking about the last season of Game of Thrones, like definitely the the worst season of Game of Thrones. But in my head, I really enjoyed the experience because my brother came over for that season. Like it was a big to do every Sunday night. We made our special uh, White Walker drinks. And um, even though the season sucked, I have positive memories from the last season of Game of Thrones because of that experience. And that's one thing I guess we had talked about as far as the younger generation. They're not going to, if shows keep being dropped like completely, they're not going to know the waiting every week for the next episode like we did growing up. I'm sure those numbers, that's why I'm curious about the numbers. Yeah, that's a good point. We're also a very instant gratification. Yes, that's true. This mind, you know, a collective. Yes. We're very, you know. Younger kids these days are very instant gratification. So if they don't get everything, smack. Whereas us in our 
Yes. <clears throat> Late thirties. Uh, um, <laughs> we are used to the week by week, so we it's are, not yeah. terrible for us. Yes, we've been spoiled with instant gratification for the last decade, but it hasn't been all that bad. Remember when shows started coming out on DVD and like you could just burn through a whole show and how mind blowing that was? That was. There are yep. generations now that just grew up with Netflix streaming, and it's like I remember when Netflix started streaming. You got a number of hours, and you're streaming account equal to the number of dollars you spent so like if you spent ten dollars on discs you got 10 hours of streaming in a month is that how that worked when they started getting into streaming yeah no oh, shit i didn't know that i just i thought they were just the dvd platform for a while there no that was uh 2006 2007 when they were kind of in a transformation from dvd to uh to disc well how about that yeah, it's a wild world. Yeah, Anyways. Uh, uh, yeah, so <laughs> besides uh, just some new shows that I've been watching, it's sad, but I haven't really picked up the controller a lot for the PS4 or the Switch or anything like that. Really, the last big game that I finished was Last of Us 2. You should check out Maneater. I made you watch a video about Maneater today. You know, I'm kind of now interested in a gorier version of Echo the Dolphin. So, yeah, I might pick up You uh, will eat Maneater. everything in the ocean, dude. I've been playing Maneater. It's a shark RPG, and it is fun it looked you are enjoying it it looks pretty cool the the playthrough that we watched all right i dig it the first night i wasn't enjoying it so much because like the first area you're just uh you're eating some catfish and you're looking for license plate and you're looking for these boxes of nutrients that are hidden all over the map not super engaging boxes of nutrients yeah like kelp i don't think they say they say it's a nutrient cache A nutrient cash. And yeah. they look like right. cash bundles of cash floating. <laughs> yeah, so like you bite into it and then you get all sorts of strength to upgrade your skills. But like yeah. you have skills as a shark, you have different <clears throat> organs that you can upgrade. Like I'm all covered in bone now and yep. like it's rad. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so other than games, not much, man. Uh, football season started, so it yep. was weird watching football with nobody in the stands. That's weird true. Watching yeah. the Vikings get their asses handed to them oh, by yeah. the Packers. <laughs> so, you know. What else is new? I know. <laughs> Weird watching football. Fantasy football is one of my biggest obsessions in life. It's like Feeny and Daisy and then fantasy football and then video games for me. Yeah. Like I am are, just... are you glad that you were up here? Yeah, I was kind of waiting to see how this <laughs> Tom scale. signaled with his hand on like where everything ranks. <laughs> and they're close, and man. Phoenix and Daisy were yeah, above I was kinda waiting. football and video yeah. games. I just want everybody on who's not on Facebook Live right yes. now, to know where um, the wife and the daughter stand. <laughs> I've been running my league because for over 20 years. My daughter's too. Like, there's I a only, lot of history. I only want to bring this up, Tom, because in the car with my father and my wife, my dad said, here's where my children rank. And he went, <laughs> my wife was all the way up here. And then he went, my children and he like dropped three quarters of the way down children and then friends and family and i was like really <laughs> like everybody loves mom we know but like it was like eh, children there it is right there oh my goodness <laughs> it was really funny we um actually started watching i caught it and we watched the first episode but they hook you on it's cbs allowed amazon to air one episode of their new show called below decks it's a car- decks? Yeah, it's a cartoon show about Star Trek, Starship, but it's about the people at the bottom of the ship. And it's hilarious. So like the ensigns and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. But they have only one episode. You have to pay a monthly subscription to get the CBS. CBS? Yeah. See, I would pay that because I really wanted to watch Picard. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? No. Or? 
Yeah, I've been Because I'm not going to pay for CBS. Yeah, I know. What if we split it and binge all of Picard in like a night? Speaking of stuff that we stream, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Seamless transition. Very seamless. Before we get into Bill and Ted today, we want to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn.com. If you want to follow us on social, you can follow me at Tom Sidlachik, O-I-O, on Twitter and Instagram. That's Tom, T-O-M, Sidlachik, S-E-D-L-A-C-E-K-O-I-O, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show at facebook.com slash outsidersoverrated or email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. You guys have social you want to plug? Mrs. underscore outsidersoverrated at Instagram. You're very good on Instagram. You do a lot of nerd mom stuff. Like I try. You dress our daughter in some pretty adorable superhero stuff, and like you're really good, babe. Well, I try to make the point that I'm constantly putting her boy stuff because companies don't do enough girl superhero stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to. And even for me too, as a woman, there's not a lot of fun clothes for women either. Bill and Ted. The trilogy began in 1989 with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. The titular characters are best friends on the verge of flunking out of high school. If they don't pass their big history presentation, they're going to be kicked out of school and Ted's dad is going to ship them off to military school in Alaska. I mean, it sounds like an almost ridiculous premise, like, but I love this movie. But hello, 80s movie. Come on. That's like... Yeah. I don't know how well versed I am in 80s movies because, like, my family never went to the movies. Like, I feel like my heyday in movies like 90s to 2000s but that was just like the that was like the easy trope to do which was like you're going to military school yeah and especially the fact that like and it's in alaska specified alaska i was like really alaska san Dimas, california to alaska, alaska yep well i know a lot of tv shows too they would talk a lot about military school, school. was like the yeah. punishment yeah you're going to military school you little bugger. West Point for you, dick. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, a lot of times it was used in TV shows. So. That's a big trope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trope? Is that the right word to use? Is I that don't right? Know. I don't think it is. No, it is. I'm going to seem smart and just say trope. 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 <laughs> trope it is. Go trope. on, Tom. Trope. 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 Jameson, Jameson, it's time for Jameson. So they basically have one night to cram for their history presentation. As they are studying, a man from the future arrives in a time-traveling phone booth. Not a police box, but a phone booth. Important distinction. He tells them their music is crucial for the future of humanity, and he sends them on an adventure through time. Bill and Ted collect a number of historical figures and blow away the presentation to save the day. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Did I miss any of the key points? No, I think that was perfect. A couple of things that popped into my head before we really dive into the movie. Bill and Ted are played by Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. I, th- I think this is just fascinating. Keanu was not... He hadn't broken out yet. This is his first big film, and then he went on from this to do some other big things. But he had 22 acting credits on IMDb prior to this film. Uh, Alex Winter was arguably the bigger star at this point in their lives. He has a total of 27 acting credits in his entire career. He walked away from acting for a good nine-year period from, I think, on like 99 to 2007. Two years before this movie came out, he starred in The Lost Boys with Kiefer Sutherland and a bunch of other people in uh, Vampires and I don't know. I haven't watched that movie, but I remember <laughs> like seeing moments of it on TV. Right. Yeah. 
The history of those two actors going in was kind of interesting. What is our personal history with Bill and Ted, starting with my amazing wife? Actually, this is the first time actually watching the film. I don't really remember ever seeing it as a family. I don't think it's the type of film that my parents really... They never really brought us to much movies either. You know, we rented a lot of movies, but as far as going to movies... Um, so it was the first time for me, and it was enjoyable to see it and enjoy the simpleness of the story. I love history. It was fun to see them betray these historical characters with not a lot of um, accuracy in some parts, but it was fun to see the history and where they traveled. And I couldn't believe they go to ancient Greece to bring Socrates back and Billy the Kid. But it was fun to see all that. So I think my introduction to Bill and Ted came from my brother pirating the movie from on VHS. I'm pretty sure my first times watching Bill and Ted were on movie copied from the video store at Mora. Billy, what was your history? You know, the FBI at the beginning of the movie tells you not to do that. I didn't do it. My brother did it. <laughs> well, don't pirate movies. Kids. Yeah, pirating movies. You wouldn't is bad. steal a car. Remember those commercials? Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> you wouldn't, so you wouldn't yeah. steal a movie, <laughs> would you? Also, Jesus smoking Christ. is bad for you. I remember those before movies. Smoking's hmm. bad? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the truth.org. Yeah. Yo. I am aware that it's bad. Yes. I've been doing that for quite a while now. <clears throat> Anywho, it was great watching it again. It is. It's a movie that I watched when I was younger. Watched it with my sister and probably, probably Scotty, too. Our good friend, Scott Bullard. Uh, who also does this podcast. Yeah, I'm sure we watched it as kids together. But yeah, I remember this one too. It's just great. Two best friends saving the world with rock music. You guys almost could have been Bill and Ted for Halloween. It's, yeah, I mean, we could have been. That would have been pretty funny, actually. Yeah. That yeah. Been. <laughs> it's too bad we're funnier as adults than as dumb kids, isn't it? You know, we thought we were funny when we were kids. But, you know. Yeah. So no, this movie was uh this the I mean the trilogy alone. We'll talk more about the other two movies, but in general like as a whole, yeah, it was great to just kind of relive this again cuz I had not seen these movies in a very long time. Yeah. So I don't think I'd seen them since high school and what I'll say about Excellent Adventure, it was a lot funnier than I remembered. Like yeah. we had a lot of good chuckles. I know it was your first time, Feeny, but yeah. for me like I'd seen it number of times and i don't know if i just didn't get the humor back then or if i just forgot how funny it was and there is things that i've watched now that i used to watch as a kid that i thought was funny because it was kind of innocent funny but being as adult now watching stuff it's like oh i get that joke now you know you, you do. do catch things more as an older adult but it, it had great humor it was very funny and you know you like, yeah, I mean, watching it, it's like you'll catch things more as an adult, but... Can we all agree, too? And I don't mean to bring up, like, a taboo subject and whatnot. No. And I'm not going to say the word that they say, but you'll... When they both hug each other, when they know that they're not... When Ted's uh, not dead, and yes. what they say after they realize they're yes, hugging each other. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he was talking... <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad you brought it up, because they use... A homophobic slur, and we are not about not putting it. any, yeah. marginalizing because anyone. We're not we putting are. anyone down. But they said a word in the movie, and like it was just, it was a very funny moment. It's a very funny moment, moment, and very clever. And it I tells guess you the time that this movie was made, mm -hmm. which wasn't that long ago. I mean, this is like twenty five plus years ago. Eighty nine. I was eight years old. It's over thirty years old. 30, dude. Oh my god! It's <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So it's it, you want to say like oh but it was a different time. It it is hard but not to say it. But it was thirty years it. ago. Yeah. That's kind of a cop out. And like but you laughed 
but not in a malicious way because I'm the biggest supporter for the LGBTQ community. It's, but and that word never drops out of my mouth anymore. But it was a word that dropped out of yeah, my mouth. Yeah, it's a word that we used in not very the 90s for long sure. ago when it was in the 90s and the early 80s. I yeah. remember saying that word, but you didn't think about anything like that. It was that. also a big I it's going to be so hard to defend this. But it's a big um, moment in the movie. Like, Bill thinks that Ted is dead. Mm -hmm. And then he realizes he's not, and they have this hug, and then they realize that that's not socially acceptable for two dudes to hug each other, so they both say this slur at the same time. Right. Like, it's just... So it's a laughable moment, but also, hey, like, as an adult, it's like a... Shit, we can't say that anymore. But also, as lovers of comedy, we can appreciate the humor in... Where they were trying to go with the joke and not the meaning behind the word. Right. And considering how much the world has changed in the last 31 years, it's amazing there were more instances like that That's in this true. film. Like there only was one time and then only one time in Bogus Journey. Oh, you're going to have to remind me of the Bogus Journey one. I don't remember yeah. it. But we'll get there. One of the things that I really enjoyed about this film is the core message of be excellent to each other. Like, I didn't realize that's kind of the whole point of the film. Like, they are traveling through time. They're just trying to ace this history report so that they can stay together as best buds. And, like, they just want everyone to get along and be good to each other. Like, that's a it's a really beautiful message that I certainly didn't appreciate in its time. And it shows the innocence of the movie and the innocence of these kids out of high school. And I enjoyed it because, you know, it's was a nice i don't want to say light film but it was a great film about adventure but also these kids they're just not sure about life but they have this respect for each other and for the other people and they don't mean harm to anyone and they just there's an innocence to it yeah so and it was refreshing it was refreshing like they were just good kids just trying to uh get by and you know do the rock and roll you know (laughs) But <laughs> I think that's going to be a reoccurring theme. It was something that the three of us I can see on our our sheet yep. here agree with. It's yeah. like the be excellent and party on dudes is mm-hmm. like the overall great theme between these it three is. movies. So yeah, mm-hmm. be excellent to each other. Oh yes, and party on dudes. Party on. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say I like the look of the future also. <laughs> <laughs> Just I thought one. it was a little silly. <laughs> I was going to bring that up for Bogus Journey, but go you on. No, yeah, Bogus Journey does take it a step further, but just the shades the you know just the way they like thought. sitting on like three quarters of the way up a wall just yeah. no ladder up in the clothes but yeah i mean it, bogus journey really brings the clothes in oh but, we'll God. get into the we're future in bogus, bogus journey, journey i knew we were going to talk about the clothes in that one you know it's just fun to see a movie back then doing a futuristic look it's kind of fun it is fun it makes me think of star trek because like star trek oh, yeah. i remember an episode where these warriors were shot into space like so far into the future and the year is like 2012 that's was right. it really yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah life is wild so the two kids they go on an adventure through time they collect all these historical figures who was our our well who were each of your favorite historical figures napoleon man Napoleon was hilarious. Napoleon was very good. And what I think is so funny about Napoleon was like, they accidentally bring him back. Then he's not even a part of the core group. Like the rest of the group is traveling together through That's time. Right. To recruit he more had people. his own segment the entire time, which was great after Deacon ditches him. Ted uh, pawns Napoleon off on his little brother Deacon 
tells him to take him to a movie great, or something. Great California little brother name. By yeah, me. totally. Deacon. That's totally a little brother's <laughs> name if you're from California. Napoleon, now that you guys talked about it, I didn't really put the pieces together. But yeah, he's really not part of the core group. And he doesn't. Re- he's not really part of the presentation either. No, um, he does do the map. That's right. He, he does, does the map. Yeah, that's like, right. He does like the art of war, basically. That's right. Yeah. Not so, the art of war. That's yeah. yeah. No, I Sun love Zoo. Na- Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Something like that. Yeah, I loved Napoleon. He was good, <laughs> but especially the water park. The water park. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get him down the slide, and once he's down, he enjoyed it. But um, my favorite is So Crates. <laughs> That was such Good a funny so crates. <laughs> it's one of my favorite gigs through the whole thing. He's just a serious philosopher. And how he just goes with the whole thing, too, throughout not understanding anything. just Because rolls. he doesn't speak English. Like, yeah. They basically kidnap him, and Billy the Kid gets out as a wet nurse to him. And yep. It just rolls through the whole thing. <laughs> they don't even know how to say Socrates. No. <laughs> May I interrupt? And sure. I, I wanted to go off of your... your uh, loving of the characters the socrates here um when they first meet socrates do you realize what they say when they pick up the sand and then socrates goes oh my gosh you understand and he also picks up the sand do you know what he says afterwards (laughs) if your if your mothers were big soap opera fans such as my mother was and my mother-in-law was he picks up the sand and he says, like the sands of the hourglass, so oh, are the days of our lives. That's right. That's so I funny. I laughed out loud when I saw that part because I didn't get that as a kid. No. Yeah. But I got that as an adult. Oh, my goodness. Socrates I didn't even catch that. was so it. happy with Bill and Ted understanding the sand. Yes. Because they were just trying to say, we're all just dust in the wind, man. <laughs> and Socrates picked it up and, and quoted days of our lives. lives. It's funny to hear another character quoting something because they're constantly quoting yes. song lyrics throughout the movie. They are, yeah. I had a hard time picking out of a favorite. I chose Billy the Kid just because he was different from who you both chose. This is Lock, Stock, and yes, the it man is. from Uncle all over, over again. again. Oh no, we're not ranking these bees this time. <laughs> <laughs> also, you guys are wrong. Man from Uncle should not have been ranked worse than lock stock and two smoking barrels it's okay man you lost you just gotta get over it yeah. i will never get over it <laughs> this is gonna go on for years we'll for decades shirts that cross out the titles <laughs> he gets one we'll with. get the greater and less than <laughs> yeah. and symbol we'll and then yep. and from uncle and lock stock yep it'll be fun go on i'm sorry it doesn't sound fun to me <laughs> We've talked a bit about how much we enjoyed the humor in this movie. What were some of our favorite gags? I'll kick this one off. Uh, Missy was a girl just a couple years older than Bill and Ted, and she was married to Bill's dad. They actually both asked her to prom as freshmen when she was a senior. And then in the movie, Bill is adjusting to life calling Missy mom. That's right. Yeah, it's a great gag, and I enjoyed the Missy gag. And then, of course, again, Socrates, Socrates, through the whole thing. Socrates. It was just one of my other favorite gigs. Yeah, and they kept, like, they consistently called them Socrates through the entire They movie. do. Billy, what uh, gig stood out to you? Just because it's such an 80s thing. And I only say that because you'd understand if you watched this again. You're like, yeah, that's totally an 80s thing. But the fact that when they just straight up kidnapped these dudes and, like, brought them into a phone booth that traveled through time... Ten seconds later, every single character was like, yep, this is what we're doing. Yep. And they're totally fine with it. <laughs> and 
they're like helping Bill and Ted get more people. Like no one's resisting kind of at all. <laughs> the true. minimal resistance they do, they just finally get them into the phone booth and then everybody's best friends. I'm like, that is like the typical perfect 80s, 90s movie. Yeah. Except just, for everybody's Gang- just accepting of what's just happening. Yeah. Except for Genghis Khan. He was an angry dude. They lured him in with a Twinkie. With a Twinkie. <laughs> but that's expected though. It's Genghis Khan. That's true. And then he trashed a sporting goods store. I mean, Billy the Kid roped Sigmund Freud in. in That's front right. Of a tra- yep. Time traveling. He did. Yeah. Phone booth, and he was just like, "Well, I'm Sigmund Freud, and I'm with all these people." Now. Yep. <laughs> Freud. I think the funniest joke in the entire movie was a Freud joke. And uh, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for you, but the movie's 31 years old, and you're listening to this podcast for Christ's sake. Tough. Tough. So. <laughs> on Bill and Ted's you know like you can take umbrage with face the music I digress what I think is the funniest joke in the entire movie Freud is psychoanalyzing Ted on stage during the history presentation and then he offers it to do Bill and Bill declines and he says I just have a minor Oedipal complex which means that he is destined to kill his father and sleep with his mother right yep, yep. Who is Missy? It's a good, Freud. Yes. A good Freud joke. Yeah, very it good was. Freud very joke. Good. Just, Freud. just killed me. I thought Freud it was says subtle. that to the cop too when they get arrested from the mall. Oh, that's right. He's arguing he with the cop, and then Freud goes, and he's like, "I don't want to talk about this anymore." Freud goes, "Tell me more. Tell me more about your mother." That's right. <laughs> yeah. Up and walks away. So good. <laughs> we all enjoyed going back to this movie. What are our closing thoughts on it? For me, the biggest thing, I did not appreciate this movie in its time. It is very fun. I enjoy it very much, and someday. We're going to show this movie to our daughter. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, it's a great film to share with her and also to have her experience movies that we grew up with. I think it's a classic one that should definitely be shown. So It's the positive message, exactly what we were talking about. They were just so happy to just be traveling around with a bunch of people wanting to pass their test, but they all became friends with each other. Like, that's just what it's all about in the end. You know what I mean? It's that positive message. Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Party on, dudes. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, still excellent today. Next, we're going to talk about Game Pass Forever. For September's Game Pass Forever game, my benevolent overlords on Patreon chose After Party. Thank you, Billy. You're welcome. (laughs) After Party is a five to six hour experience. You You play as two characters, Milo and Lola. They don't know how they died or why they were damned, but you learn there is a loophole. If you can outdrink Satan, he will send you back to Earth to resume your life. In this version of hell, people are tormented for an eight-hour day, and then humans and demons go out to the bars together and get trashed. The bulk of the game is dialogue. You have to convince certain figures to endorse you, and then you get different drinks from bartenders that influence your dialogue options, like some of the ones I saw where you talk like a pirate. Didn't actually use that one because I was trying very hard to dominate this game. But there's also like rich a-hole or hopeless romantic. So you get different archetypes of uh, conversation types. You also have a personal demon who pops in to torment you, which is apparently a staple of hell. Everyone gets assigned a personal demon who's there to torment you. And effectively from like a narrative structure, they're there to interject sad bits from each character's past so that you get a little bit of backstory at different points. But they also do recaps of different segments of the game. So your personal demon will show you kind of the decisions that you made and will poke fun of your morality. Like, I made one where, uh, I forget how I upset the personal demon, but she made a joke that, oh, you didn't think you could beat the game if you didn't uh, stand up to this person? Like, I did I did a morally horrible thing. I condemned someone to a life in hell or an eternity in hell just because 
a demon said I had to do it to get their support. And I'm like, well, I need this demon support to win the game, so sorry, dude. And then they made fun of it in the recap. <laughs> Overall, this was a really interesting game. It had some really high points for me. It had a killer art style. Like, it looked just phenomenal. It was very unique and very stylish, and it was awesome. It was also... It was also a big thinker. It kept me thinking about the game long after I stopped playing. And it went somewhere that I didn't expect. Like, the way the story worked out, it's like, it's very interesting. And uh, I didn't expect it at all, which generally when I'm posed with some kind of mystery, Feeney can attest to this, I will guess every possible outcome. So, like, when it's revealed, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I had that. And one of my 100 iterations of what could possibly work out. See also Broadchurch. The story was really interesting and it went somewhere I didn't expect. It's It was a short experience, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was done by Night School Studios. I just got to say, I thought it was pretty awesome, the fact that you're playing a game where you have to like challenge the devil or death, and we're about to talk about Bogus Journey. Yeah, it is kind of remarkable how it worked out. I just thought that was pretty cool when yeah, I was reading is. the description of the game that you were playing. I was like, huh, that's great. We're just about to talk about Bogus Journey where they challenge death. And Fini, you watched me play like the last half of this game, basically, right? Because yeah. like I realized I was pretty close to the end, and then I just powered through and wound up staying up way too late on a work night. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on watching me play it? No, I really enjoyed the art style. I mean, it was the dialogue was fascinating. Hearing these two friends talk and try to figure out their conflict, because you know they kind of break up because of they find out what the past person did and then... yeah there is a moment at the end where they kind of get driven apart and then you have to reconcile one of the things that i liked about this game like i thought it was going way darker than it was you it's like did think so yeah. they hinted at something and i'm like oh man this character like committed murder suicide it's like oh my god and i'm controlling this guy and like i'm trying to yeah. like chew it i mean it the story did what the story did but there was a wide possible range of outcomes and i really enjoyed the payoff with it the way you chose to do the end of the story, I mean, it shows that there's maybe a few different outcomes to the ending of the game because of the path you took when you started drinking against Satan. So Yeah, and the uh, the achievements reflect that. Like, this is a game where if, you, if you're a completionist or, like, a trophy hunter, you're going to want to play through this multiple, multiple different times. Okay. Because there's, uh, like, Hobby Box Burns would love it because there's different branching narratives, and it seems like the ways you interact with people... They're not ultimately going to matter, but you get different trophies for trying different things. So, you know, that's something. Yep. So, no, it's a beautiful game, and um, I'm surprised it's not on people's radar more, but... Well, it's kind of a small indie project. Like, I would have never... If I had paid $40 for this game, my perception of its value would have been much, much different. But because it was on Xbox Game Pass, which I adore, everyone who has an Xbox should have Xbox Game Pass because it's amazing. Because I'd essentially already paid for it, it was a really cool experience. And this is a big example of video games as art for me. Like, it was a very stylish thing, and I have a lot of appreciation for the ways that it could accommodate different options and different dialogue things. Like, from a pure gameplay standpoint, maybe it wasn't great. Like, you could only walk on these linear levels and get to the place where you needed to go and talk to the person you needed to talk to. And I did get pretty pissed off that you couldn't run because I spent a out of the five or six hours, I probably spent three hours just walking from here to there. But as a narrative experience or as a narrative thing, loved it. It was great. Yeah, Very you nice. seemed to really enjoy it. And after you finished it, you couldn't really sleep because you kept thinking about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I knew it was a good game because you couldn't sleep. So. 
So After Party, if you like a dialogue-driven game, if you're interested in the theology of heaven and hell, like I didn't know much about the theology or the mythology. Like there's a lot of, they're like primevals and like Satan's buddies. And like there's a lot that I just didn't know or didn't understand or wasn't exposed to. Like, I've, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting to kind of dig into some of that. Oh, yeah. That's very cool. Is it on only Xbox? I think it is on every platform. Oh, cool. So like, if you can find it on sale on the PlayStation Store, like I highly, highly recommend it. All right. The next game up in Game Pass Forever is No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. Feeny, I think you remember the hype around this game before it came out, right? Like this was a really big space exploration game. They built it as this thing where like people would be playing this for thousands of hours and no two people would ever interact because the universe was this big and this expansive. that the game that Hobby Box is going on about a few years? No, he hates Destiny. No, it was. It might have been this or Outer Worlds. I can't remember which one. He liked Outer Worlds. Okay, I can't remember. But the game, then the game releases and it just gets panned by everyone. It is it one is of the most, yeah, like most derided, most divisive games. Like everyone hated it. They've been working on this bitch for literally years since it came out and I hear it's in a pretty good place now. Oh, really? Yeah, they've patched in a lot of stuff. Like, gamers felt betrayed when it came out because it didn't deliver on its promises of grandiose and it was very grindy and, uh, like, I, all I heard about it was negative stuff, but uh, listening to the Game Informer show, they've turned their opinions on it. I think uh, Charch and Reiner have come around on it. Okay. So I'm really interested. Here's Here's a bit more about the game. Inspired by the adventure and imagination that we love from classic science fiction, No Man's Sky presents you with a galaxy to explore filled with unique planets and life forms and constant danger in action. I would also like to note that I just copied and pasted this. I have never read this before, so this is a test of how well I can read the English language. In No Man's Sky, every star is the light of a distant sun, each orbited by planets filled with life, and you can go to any of them you choose. Fly smoothly from deep space to planetary surfaces with no loading screens and no limits. I am very hesitant to believe that no loading screens, Ben. In this infinite, procedurally generated universe, you'll discover places and creatures that no other player has seen before, and perhaps never will again. You embark on an epic voyage, find your own destiny, share your journey. Basically... My understanding is it's a space exploration game. I'm going to get to a planet. I'm going to mine some stuff. I'm going to build some stuff in a tech tree, and I'm going to shoot off to another planet and repeat. And I think this is going to be like the Thomas game. You think so? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how deep I get into it. But I'm really, frankly, I'm really excited about it. Thank you to our supporters on Patreon. If you are interested in supporting the show, you can back us on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Check it out at patreon.com slash OIO, and I can't wait to share my thoughts on No Man's Sky. Guys, do you get Starbucks at least, or Caribou Coffee at least, once a week? I bet you do. Do you know how much you pay for said coffee? Me, myself, I like my coffee with cream. So I pay $3.25 for just a coffee with cream most people in this world pay probably upwards of five dollars every other day once a week twice a week oh yeah think if you were to just take one coffee and put it towards outside is overrated true i'm just saying if you really think about it in the amounts of coffee that you have per week if you were to take one coffee and have that at home and instead support your good friend tom and fee and your good friend phoenix You'd be having a uh, wonderful experience because you could look at some behind-the-scenes stuff that happens. Oh, yeah? You could be on the podcast, even, because Tom loves to have friends that support him on his podcast. 
So it's totally a not just bucks. a ploy to bring people on that haven't supported yet. And I'm just saying, into it. if you think about it, like a price of a cup of coffee from Starbucks or from fucking sure. Caribou. Oh, yeah. Two bucks to five bucks to even ten bucks. It ain't that much. No. And that's per month, not even per f- every other day, which I know I do at the gas station. So let's not pretend that everybody doesn't f- do that with coffee. Yes. <laughs> rant over. Good Support rant, your friends. That's all I'm saying, guys. Or strangers on the internet, if that's what I happen to be to you with 150 or so subscribers. Also, I didn't ask Billy to say that, so Billy, thank you. That was very touching. It I really was. appreciate thank it. You. They did not write that. That was from me. Yes. yes. I do enjoy supporting my friends very it much. It was beautiful. So I love you guys. Mm. I'm very happy for you. And we love you too, Billy. Love is a strong word. I'm very fond of you too. <laughs> Fair. So are you fond of me? No, I love you. <laughs> That's true. He does. Our adventure continues as the trilogy advances in 1991 with Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Bill and Ted are done with high school. They are living together and working at the San Dimas Civic Auditorium. They somehow get into a local battle of the bands, which has the potential to launch them into stardom. This movie tries to be a big boy sci-fi film. We mentioned a little bit earlier, but we get a long look at the future in this film. A big bad guy shows up and he sends robot Bill and Ted's back to the present day to eliminate the protagonists. Well, it works. Bill and Ted die and they end up going to hell. They challenge the Grim Reaper to contests and earn their freedom to return to life. Not unlike the premise of After Party. They go to heaven, they meet God, and they recruit the most brilliant scientists in all the universe to their squad. The good scientist builds Bill and Ted's robots to fight the evil ones, and then there's a big showdown with the big bad during the Battle of the Bands. Feeny, I know you don't have a history with this movie. Billy, what were your memories from this, and how do you feel after going back to it? Station! Sorry. I had completely forgotten about Station. I remembered many bits, but I forgot about Station. You and me both, man. Seriously. When I saw Station, I was like, are we watching The Dark Crystal right now? Like, this was weird. I was like, when did Jim Henson come into this movie? I gotta say, I remember this one more than the first one. Except for Station. It was weird. But I, like, remember laughing my ass off back when I was younger at the challenging death to like the best kids family friendly games that there is like Battleship and Twister. I wonder how much Hasbro paid for those. <laughs> yes, I that was there was great. There's a lot of product placement in this film. I thought that was fantastic. So yeah, like that was the part that I remembered most was Challenging Death. Old me loved this movie. Like when I was a kid, I liked this way more than the original. I always remembered the evil robot villain Ted, and I remember challenging. Bill and Ted challenging death and I remember the Grim Reaper rap from the end of the movie (laughs) like those things have always stayed with me watching it now while Feeney you have the fresh take what were your thoughts on watching this movie for the very first time (laughs) I mean it's enjoyable I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one Um, I felt like at times they tried to put too much into the film like which sequels will do they'll take something that's good and try to cram as much as they can to make it even bigger than the first one was. And I feel like they did that with the future. You mentioned when we were talking about Excellent Adventure that you liked the future. How did you feel about it in this film? <laughs> the future was it's great to see what they thought the future would look like. I couldn't believe the shoes. The tall, like... Moon cock- boots? Yeah. <laughs> it <was> just <laughs> the foam shoes, everything. It was just hilarious. Neon. Oh, neon, the neon. Pink, neon green. Everything like, Big neon. floppy clothes. Yeah. Billy, what do you think of the future as 
portrayed in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. It was exactly everything that we had in the 90s as kids and teenagers, True. which was neon everything. Yeah. Even everything. Now that you say that, you can sort of see the style, the clothes that they made for the futuristic people was yeah. the style of yeah. the 90s. I mean, was this a kid's movie? No, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't go I mean, kids. I feel like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is something that truly plays for adults. Like, I think that is a very solid movie that even today, technology has moved on, but I feel like people can still watch it for the first time today and enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Is this film, I enjoyed it more. Is that just because I was a dumb kid and they did things that lure in dumb kids like neon colors? No, I just, I mean, I think they did a lot of humor that geared towards kids, and but geared towards adults too. I mean, they try to create that fine balance. You know, you like you'll go to like the Hobbit movie where they put a lot of farting jokes in. The oh Hobbit. my god! Because they want to do it for the kids. You know, it's just. Is like, this my payback for bringing Cumberbatch? Cumberbatch. Come Benedict Cumberbatch up every time you're on the show, honey. No, no, I'm you bring just, the Hobbit movies into this. No, I'm just. It's an example of how movies will. That book wasn't even that long, and they made three three-hour movies out of it. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, like that, is three expansive books. Like you know, I get that, but The Hobbit. I am so thankful that you didn't make me go to the second or third movies. Like I know your mom was super excited, and your family went. I'm so thankful you let me off the hook. I should have brought you kicking and screaming. I would have been. <laughs> I and know. And then I would have put on my brave face and you would have said, you have resting Tom face again. I honey. would have, yeah. But um, it's just, you see films that will put in what they think is kid humor to approach. And I, you know, I don't know if I saw a lot of that in Bogus Journey per se. I mean, I don't know. It could be just a nostalgia factor for us to watch it to see the 90s-ish of it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like... Well, they tried a lot of stuff with this property. Bogus Journey, I thought, was a great movie when I was a kid, but they also did a live-action show. They did a cartoon. And I wonder if all these things just didn't tie together as, like, ways to make money as opposed to being a narrative device. Possibly. I mean, you know, they did it with Ace Ventura as well. Oh, my God. The fall-off from the first movie to the second movie was just (laughs) awful. I do still want to have a sequels podcast episode i think that'd be really fun to delve yeah. into it would be sequels, a lot of fun just what's better what's not because a lot of people will disagree and say that ace ventura 2 when nature calls was better than the first and they can all get out of my house right now <laughs> it's not you're not one of them are you oh that's me i don't know i'm a very big debater on that number two is pretty damn good in Come number on. two, he's a screaming idiot. Like, the first one, he's quirky and eccentric, granted, but he was, like, a grounded human being. And, like, the second one, he's just off the rails the entire film. Yeah, exactly. There's a great masturbatory joke. He was meditating. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it took me a while to appreciate that one. White devil, white devil. We get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. East Wood yeah. Again, podcast episode. Just put, yeah. put it in the notes there, buddy. We'll put it in the put notes. Put it in the notes, because I will be... On that podcast, and we will talk for hours. Well, we have a few hour uh, all day <laughs> podcasts. We got Sherlock, we got The Hobbit. Oh man, The Hobbit! Yes. <laughs> we have Picard Speaking of, now. Yeah. Speaking of The Hobbit, that's my my wife's favorite movie to fall asleep to. Oh really? She pops on The Hobbit, and she is asleep within fifteen minutes. Huh. Did you know that I played Gandalf in high school? No. Yeah, our friend Corey. I almost lit his face on fire backstage. Remember that, Corey? I'm sure he remembers it. 
prop accident? Yeah, yeah. I had a, uh, I had a little, I had like a uh, lighter at the end of my wizard staff and some contact paper in there, and I'm like supposed <laughs> to just flick the switch woof, and then. Woof. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't go off on stage. And so Corey and I, being the smartest people in the world, like we're like, is it in there? Like, why didn't it go off? It's so, like I put the staff in his face and I hit the switch and poof. Ah. Fortunately, the Hellenes have remarkable reflexes. <laughs> Good family. Good times. But, yeah, I, you know, as far as the 90s, I mean, I guess with the film also, like you've brought up, it tried to be too sci-fi-ish, where the first film is more about history and uh, camaraderie of the two characters, where now they're trying to be... You thought they were trying to be too serious as a sci-fi movie, but... Like, I feel like it just tried to take itself too seriously. Like, there's a big setup with the big bad and this big coup to take over the future and change history, and it's like... It was just a different tone. Like, in the first movie, they were just trying to get by and just, like, trying to, like, be good to everyone. And then this mm-hmm. one, like, uh, the the stakes are much higher, which I get you have to do with the sequel, but yeah. I don't know. It just... It lost the beautiful simplicity and, like, the innocence of the first film. And, you know, like I said, sometimes with the sequel, they can run with something too much. I know the Eric Guitar is them, but I felt like they just did way too much in the second movie. It might have been because there were four of them. There were good ones and bad ones. Okay. I It just, it's like, oh my gosh, they're going to do it again. <laughs> so. I will agree that this was not as good as the first one. It's just so funny how our perceptions have changed from when we were yeah. kids. Because like I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I, like there, I think the highs are higher in this movie. Like I think the funny bits are often funnier in this movie than they were in Bill and Ted. But overall, like I really just enjoyed Excellent Adventure much more. You know, just thinking mm-hmm. about it now, like with the scenes with death, you can see sort of more the first film in that those scenes with death, the more simpleness yeah. of the characters and them playing against death, death, and. I love the battleship scene where they're kind of <laughs> <laughs> talking to each other. But yeah, it's very intense. You have it's, sunk my battleship. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I guess, yeah, they're trying to pull in too many pieces. And where the first film was maybe more streamlined, simple. So, but They went all George R. R. Martin on it. <laughs> I talked about the highs being higher in this film. What were some of our favorite gigs from this movie? It was uh, a death re- death's reactions to being beat. Death was so make funny. It, he makes it such a big deal, like, you must beat me before you can go back up to heaven. Or go back up. And, and they keep beating him in Battleship. And then in... Twister. Twister. I just thought it was just hilarious. Like, his missed two out of three. Three out of five. Like, how he just keeps yeah. compromising. And then he just finally gives in. I thought that was just... That's the, what I remember from a kid. I must remember what I still enjoy it as an adult. Definitely death. I would have to say that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie, you know. And, you know, still the Missy gig. Still running with that. It's yeah, no, Missy she's no is longer... a fantastic reoccurring character. Yeah, she is. She's no longer married to Bill's dad. Now she's married to Ted's dad. Yep. <laughs> and we after watching... Mom? <laughs> After watching the first film, you asked my brother Larry if uh, they ever explained it, and he thought they did, but they don't really. Like, it's just a funny thing that they did that you keep switching partners through the films. Oh, this is one thing I was going to bring up. It's like my brain was kind of like, I thought with the second film, because I hadn't seen it, that they were going to touch more on the 
ladies because they're in this world that they don't understand anything. So I thought maybe they might touch on that factor as far as trying to introduce them to society, explain what a telephone is, what a car is, you know. Frankly, that would have been a more interesting story. Like if they could go back and just redo Bogus Journey, like Bill and Ted can be side characters. Like they can get killed and they can still do the death stuff, but focus on the babes. Well, I just, I thought they would touch on that a little bit, but they didn't. I I mean, it was fun to see Keanu and, um, what's his name? Alex. 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 Try to play a badder ass version of themselves in the second film, being I the bad robots. It was fun to see them take on that role. I love yeah. Evil Bill and Ted. Before we move on from focusing on the babes more and um, the female side of the story, do you think they overcompensated at all in Face the Music? We'll talk a lot more about overcompensated in what. Whereas they undersold the princesses in Bogus Journey, did they overcompensate with the daughters in Face the Music? No. No, I thought it was pretty seamless no. in the storyline. No. So Well yeah. good. Yeah. Yay girls. Yeah. No, I mean, and you that, know, movies can do it well if it seems seamless, you know. And this yeah. movie made it very seamless. You know? I thought they I they paid more attention to the daughters than they did the wives. They did, yeah. And face the music. Yeah. I think the wives actually got the short end of the stick for the I last thought two so movies. too, yeah. They kinda did through both of the last two movies they were so, like they mentioned them as like this thing that's going to be like such so big in the very first one when they very they when bill and ted first meet bill and ted from the future in the parking lot of circle k and they're like give my love to the princesses man that's right, like they made yeah. this up to be like a really big thing that's going to happen and they yeah. fell in love with the princesses and they asked the princesses to marry them and they yet were still a very kind of back end of the story Yes, the princess has got more talk time and face the music, but Bill and Ted and their daughters were still primarily the main factors. They you were. get like these split like four second like shots of the princesses in face the music. So they kind of took a they took a back seat. They really. took a big back they seat. Didn't really get written in properly, I thought. I thought hmm. their storyline was a little weak in the So your idea movie. of like rewriting Bogus Journey to include <laughs> the women a lot more, I think it's a really good idea. I am super duper smart. <laughs> and then we can smart. do a cartoon and a live action show and we'll make so much they money. They did that this. already. Oh, They'd yeah. have to rewrite everything. Yeah, then. they would. Bollocks. I loved every moment with Evil Bill and Ted. Like I thought they were so funny and the actors doing evil versions of themselves. I thought they pulled it off really well. Like it that had <clears throat> so much potential to just be a garbage fire, but I thought like when they're in the apartment and they want the babes to put out and then they won't and or when they're just like smashing all of the dishes and like just generally trying to make life miserable for Bill and Ted if they ever get back to it. Like I thought Evil Bill and Ted were so so funny. Yeah, they. I mean, it was fun to see those actors take on an evil version of those characters in the movie, and yeah, it it was a fun bit, and I enjoyed watching that piece. So it was nice seeing them react to themselves being dicks, saying how dickish they were. Yes, yeah. that's true. I forgot about that. In Excellent Adventure, I thought the Freud joke was the funniest thing in the whole movie. In Bogus Journey, what I could watch endlessly. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you talked about this. Is Bill and Ted falling to hell like just their fall <laughs> through the abyss <laughs> oh my goodness and like they're screaming and they're screaming and they're screaming and then they stop screaming and then they play 20 questions they're like well what do we do and they just start screaming again. <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i i thought that was just such a silly gag and just so funny 
Any other thoughts on Bogus Journey? Like, we've decided we don't like it as much as Excellent Adventure for the most part. One thing that I liked a lot, the song at the end of this movie is awesome. God Gave Rock and Roll to You by Kiss. Yep. Good oh, jam. Yeah. Good jam. Mm-hmm. In my memory, I thought that the movie kicked off with this song for some reason. Like, I thought it started with a music video of, like, a band in a desert and it was God Gave Rock and Roll to You, but that was not on the DVD version. No. It Am I a crazy person? It wasn't on the YouTube version either. Do you have any memory of that? Like, I thought the movie started with a music video. No, I don't think it did. Huh. I wonder where it, didn't I got on, that impression. it didn't on YouTube, so. Yeah. Well, and you yeah. saw it on DVD, which would have had the original copywritten music on it and would have had that scene had it been in there, but it wasn't on YouTube. So if it wasn't on the DVD, I don't think that was it, man. Huh. I also liked the magazine cover montage that they did at the end of the story to kind of wrap it up to tell you what happens after the end of the movie, how Wild Stallions rises to prominence and the death solo act and just yeah. kind of the fun, silly closing out of the story. I, I loved that. I, I thought did that too. Was great. Yeah, it was. Death just having like his solo career was just <laughs> great. I just thought that was hilarious. I thought that was so good. It was. And that's a gag that is great that they continue into the new movie too. Oh, yeah, that's right. That Yep, exactly. That's yep. Yes, good point. Yep. Billy, did you have any closing thoughts on Bill and Ted? Not enough George Carlin. Seriously, what the hell? Like, remember, like, I remember Rufus being like this pivotal character in both movies. And he was. You know, he brought Bill and Ted together and told them what their journey was and stuff like that. But I'm so freaking curious. Like, I got to watch the movies again and, like, time it. But it, I swear, George Carlin had like zero, like screen time between at least, the two, especially Bogus. Especially Journey. Bogus Journey. He popped in Five at least once total. in the middle of Excellent Adventure when they uh, first like meet themselves. He's yes. kind of in between them. But then he's in that same scene again. Is mm. he in there again? He's at the end where he brings the princesses. <clears throat> that's an excellent adventure, you know, right. and teaches them how to play guitar. But everybody remembers Rufus. Yes, they do. But Rufus is only on screen for such a small amount of time. Well, so that speaks wonders to George Carlin. It does. As a person, because everybody loves George Carlin. But I'll also credit the writing. I mean, he's the guide in the story, which is an important role in any narrative. It's a crucial role, and he got a lot less screen time than Yoda, but he's almost as iconic. Well, that's a big statement. Um, I get what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see more George Carlin in it, but it's... As watching it for the first time, it was fun to see the film, the characters again, to see uh, Station. But again, death is probably going to stick with me mostly with mm. the whole film. Yep. So That's what I carried with me for 30 years waiting for a sequel. Yep. Death all the way. Yep. Death all the way. Bill and Ted's bogus journey still has <laughs> high highs, but we agree as a group that it is inferior to the original movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, to change the subject, and I'm sorry to do this, guys, but Tom Phoenix, do you know, like, I need some help because recently I fell off of my Arabian horse Fluffernutter, and I got to tell you, man, my back is all messed up. Do you have any suggestions on, like, where I could go and get some help with this? Definitely. Check out Premier Health. They have solution for back pain, neck pain, car accident and horse injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. Thanks, Tom. I will do that.
It's time now for... Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Moving on to our Top 5 list today, we're going to look at where Ted Theodore Logan ranks amongst Keanu Reeves' most iconic roles. We're going to start with an immediate hot take. I know there are Keanu Reeves films that I haven't seen, and we're going to get into some of those options in just a moment. But number five, Shane Falco, quarterback in The Replacements. I'm a big fan of football movies, and while I have some issues with The Replacements, I think it's a very fun movie, and I think that Keanu Reeves as the quarterback, the most important role on a team, most important role in a football movie, like he pulled it off well. He did. It I was did. good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's been mm-hmm. a while since I've seen that movie. Yeah. That came out around the same time, like, all the big football movies came out, right? Like, Remember the Titans and Varsity Blues and stuff like that? Varsity Blues was high school for us. <laughs> this was a little bit later. Was it? Okay. I couldn't remember the dates of when those movies yeah. came out. Especially yeah, because it was 20 me. years ago. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, we're old, dude. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, we are. Dude. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Neo from the Matrix series. I really debated on this one because I loved the first Matrix movie, but the second film drug it down so much for me, and I've only seen clips from the third one, but it felt it had all the trappings of a dumpster fire. So am I crazy for bringing down this Keanu Reeves role just because of the successive films? No, I wouldn't say not. I mean, it's a kind of image if you show his face with the sunglasses anyone from our generation would say oh that's the matrix neo so no i wouldn't say so so because yeah the later films kind of downgrade the quality of the films but yeah it's hard to say he might be ranked it might be ranked a little higher on other people's list but that's a good spot so yeah i'd say when you're when you're going to go through this list i'd put neo there with one of the other ones that you're going to talk about as as far as the top goes for sure number three ted theodore logan <laughs> from bill and ted ooh, i mean oh hang on may i digress digress interrupt well you know what i mean <laughs> we're supposed to and this is a plug for brian our good friend brian um he wanted me to point out um that ted theodore logan his name is actually if you think about it Ted, Ted, Logan. Or Theodore, Theodore, Logan. Or Theodore, Theodore, Logan. True. Yeah, I didn't so, think of sorry, that. Sorry, Brian, I'm bringing this up late, but I just wanted to let you know that I remembered, so we're talking about it. <laughs> His name is Ted, Ted, Theodore, Theodore, Logan. Just saying. Thank yeah, you. no, right. that's sorry. true. I didn't even think about that. Bill S. Preston Esquire. So he's a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> he is a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Yep. In high school. In high school. Yes. A big dumb idiot. With a crop top. Just saying. And his daughter says her name is Esquire as well. So yep. they, so the Esquire continues so through the family. Yeah, it's, a her- it does. it's a hereditary it's title, crazy. right? All right? Sorry, go on with the character. Number two. This is a bit of a concession on my part. John Wick from the John Wick movies. I haven't seen a John Wick film. Mm-hmm. I understand they're terrific action flicks. There's been three of them, and I know that they are a big cultural success. So uh, that's where I put John Wick, number two. Yep. Did you say you didn't see John Wick? We haven't seen them yet, no. Really? Yeah. Okay. You will very much like them. Okay. Very much so. 
very well done. Okay. Keanu does Keanu does a fantastic job. Okay. Yeah, we figured we were talking about it, but I mean, it's a big franchise right now, you know, and it's it, mm-hmm. and he's so well known for it now that it's you know because he actually does a very good job. Yeah. Like so. he puts the dedication in like he did with Neo. You know uh, what I mean? So like you can feel the character has done well because okay. he's enjoying doing the character. Okay. So I hope that if that makes sense, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? But I really think you guys will dig it. Yeah, no, I've been But it is nonstop it. action. Oh, I love that. That's so. Feeny Speed. Okay. Yep. Um and spoiler alert, in the very first movie you're not going to like why he goes on this killing spree. I, it's his dog, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just Honey, be aware. why would you spoil that? I thought you heard Honey. that. Yeah. <laughs> just be aware. Thank you. <laughs> Number one, most iconic Keanu Reeves role. Now, maybe I just put this in here to be a troll because I know there are films that you guys are both passionate about. But I put for number one, Jack Travern from Speed. I couldn't even remember the character's name, but I loved Keanu Reeves in this role because this, for me, is when he broke out of kind of the dopey teen uh, stoner humor role and into an actual legitimate action star. Sure. I agree. I I mean, I think it wasn't Point Blank first. Never saw it. Point Break. It was. Thank you. It came out the same year as um, Bogus Journey, actually. Yeah. So... I think a lot of people say Point Break would have been his biggest, but Point Break Billy, what would you say? Point Break, yeah. <laughs> Speed on a budget big movie, yes. I'd say his name probably popped up a little bit more for Speed, but that's also because he was paired with Sandra Bullock, who was really huge at that time, and Jeff Bridges, who was just coming off of Dumb and Dumber. Yep. Oh yeah. So I'd say the there was he had a lot of he had a lot of good mid-size movies in the 90s until his breakout with the matrix that's my opinion true but i i mean it's a very iconic films that he did and speed point break you know he was also in interview with a vampire yep he was in a lot no no that wasn't the vampire movie he was in he was in Dracula. Dracula. He was Dracula. Dracula. Thank you. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. Dracula. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I knew it was a vampire movie with a terrible British accent. Yeah, a lot of people rate that as one of his iconic characters because they like his interpretation, even though they hate his accent through the film. But a lot of movie critics say that it he does an excellent job. As considering the, that's my favorite book of all time, we should probably watch that movie. We probably should. Yes. So. Yeah. Feeny, what was your favorite Keanu Reeves role? I know it's not on my list. <laughs> Always, maybe, I think it's the full title. It's on Netflix. That wasn't the one I was thinking of, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it's uh, it's a surprise cameo with Keanu in it. and He plays himself. He plays himself. He's dating the main character. I'll always be my maybe, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Um, God, what's his name? The Asian actor. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. I just, yeah. My favorite scene is in the restaurant, and they have to wear headphones. And they're cutting their meat as they hear the animal dying and crying. Oh, Jesus. I've never seen the movie. Is it <laughs> oh. pretty good? Is it pretty good? Yeah. yeah okay, really I'll have to check that out for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just, it's a great scene because he takes them to this fancy restaurant, all the waters and bubbles and, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they have to wear headphones. It's the artsy thing to listen while your meat is being killed and <laughs> eaten. <laughs> <laughs> it is just great. Kiana is just... Just crying so hard as he's cutting into his meat, eating it. It's just <laughs> okay. That's a good. I'll have to check that. It's one a out great for sure. cameo, but um, 
Constantine is another top one of mine, and um, oh, I know you love Devil's Advocate. Devil's so, Advocate. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. so is Keanu a good actor? Like for the longest time, I got so annoyed because he said "whoa" in a lot, and like <laughs> that was always my Keanu <laughs> snapshot. And like I thought he was just this terrible actor, but. I mean, he's shown some range. Like, he's going back to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like, I really enjoy his interpretation of, like, I, the dumb teenage kid. I guess I'll say it's like Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise in films, but he, you enjoy his films. I think Keanu is close to that, but I'm not seeing John Wick to see if he kind of has really good acting chops in that or if it's just more his action ability in those films i'd yeah. say that i'd say he play. he's it's not his acting chops okay. these are not movies where you're gonna see acting chops you're sure. gonna see intensity chops, chops yeah. like he's very good at playing a hitman okay so i mean i think he's sort of like a tom cruise you know people yeah. enjoy keanu for right Keanu. His so. dedication to the characters, I think, is very admirable. It is. Yeah. John Wick, you'll see when you watch Jan- John Wick, very little lines, but the way he does it is extremely well done. I feel like he is now just an action actor then. Like, I'm thinking about some of these roles, like, he <clears throat> can be very funny, and, like, I feel, I feel like he has a little bit more depth, and I feel like maybe you're saying he's more of an action star. A lot I can of, put words in your mouth. <laughs> a lot of his films are action. I know he went to Japan and did three or four films where he did a lot of training with the martial arts. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what style he prefers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot of his films, it is more action-based. He's done some romantic comedies that have been good. Yeah. I mean, he did that one, I think he was dying, I can't, or maybe it was Charlie Theron who was dying. But Wasn't he's, he in Feeling Minnesota? Yes, he was also in yeah, that one. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, he can be a romantic, calm actor, but he can also play, you know, the action. So, I think he can, you know, he's not going to be a character actor, but we enjoy his movies because he seems to pick good movies. So, yeah. He's also actually a very, very great guy outside of acting. Yeah. So, I think a lot of people appreciate that too. So, they enjoy the movie more because they know he's like, genuinely loves doing what he does and he takes care of the people that he works with and a lot of people that he meets in life too. yeah so he's that's cool i didn't very, know that that's yeah, a really genuine guy he's very and i've also read a long article he's one of the top three that people think are on the short list for um ghostwriter because of his love of motorcycles he owns a motorcycle company yep and so custom build one too, yeah right? so his ability with the motorcycle kind of <clears throat> people think he's kind of on a short list for that so mm-hmm. interesting but, so huh. well, that'd be kind of neat yeah. it would be it i would mean be. so well there you have it, the definitive list of the top five most iconic keanu reeves roles what did we miss tweet your thoughts on his most iconic roles to Tom Sedlachik OIO on the Twitter machine. That's Tom Sedlachik OIO. And now, 29 years after Bill and Ted's bogus journey, we finally get the sequel we never dreamed would come. Audio listeners, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. spoilers. We are going to talk about everything to do with Bill and Ted Face the Music. So if you don't want this movie <clears throat> spoiled for you, it is time to turn off the show. Yep. Also, one last note, Corey throws in Ronin as one of his most iconic roles. Oh, that's Ronin. one Good of one. Them, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's one that he, um, was that filmed in Japan or was it, um, I can't remember, but it's one of those that, you know, he 
did well. So, and Devil's Advocate, very good. Yeah, yep. that one too. Very nice, Corey. Yeah, good point. Billy, what were your thoughts when you heard there was going to be a new Bill and Ted movie? Yeah, I've been ex- I've been I've been looking forward to talking to face the music with you guys because I know we've brought up in private before like how it would be fun to do like a sequels podcast and what our opinions are especially on movies that like are a decade plus old mm-hmm. where they then make another movie and like our opinions on those because I've got my opinions on the ones that have been made in the last 5 to 10 years that were already 20 years old. Uh, this one, I'm going to be brutally honest. When I first heard Bill and Ted, I had, like, had that like childhood excitement. But like as an adult, knowing the movies that have already come out that have been the next movie that has been not out since for like, like the last 20 years, I was greatly disappointed with them. And I was really like, oh, God, they're going to just mess this one up again. Well, Bill and Ted were kids. Like they were supposed to be like high school and just out of high school. And now like they are not kids anymore. That was 30 years ago. Correct. I'm more talking on like a writer's aspect, like they were going to butcher the movies that we loved as kids because they wanted to just cash in on another movie. But after watching it, I actually wasn't all that upset about it. It wasn't my favorite movie in the world. But I was actually pleasantly surprised on actually they did a pretty pretty decent job for a movie that's 25 plus years old. Pretty decent job, you... (laughs) heard it here first <laughs> i'm not saying it was bad but i'm not saying it was like the best movie ever and i'll get into that but i've got my opinions yeah we'll dive into it first let me set up the uh the storyline bill and ted are old now after finding musical success at the end of bogus journey their careers have flatlined their kids who are boys at the end of bogus journey are now girls the guys can play instruments now but they suck like they can physically play the instruments but they have no sense of like musical composition they are summoned to the future by rufus's daughter and they discover that they have just over an hour to write the song that will unite all of humanity and restore balance to time and space bill and ted visit several iterations of their future selves to get the song it doesn't go particularly well their daughters go on a parallel adventure through time to put together a band much like the history lesson in the original movie a robot is dispatched from the future to kill bill and ted And he does, but he also kills Ted's dad, their daughters, and the entire band. Bill and Ted are forced to reconcile with death, and they return to the present day to try to perform the song that will unite all of humanity. I forget, did they, didn't they have a bunch of successful albums? So did they really suck? Or they just couldn't figure out how to get the song that wouldn't unite everybody? So they didn't suck, did they? No, they knew how to play the instruments, it's just they couldn't put together a piece of music that brought the world together okay i just wanted to double check on that if you thought that was like they sucked or well this felt a little confusing to me because there were the magazines at the end of bogus journey like chronicling their rise to success but at the beginning of face the music it sounds it feels like they have no musical career whatsoever whatever they had yeah they had like a big falling out essentially they had a big falling out and the impression i got was that after their first they had one big hit they were a one hit wonder then after that they could never recapture the magic and come back with any success at all yeah and i'll probably have to watch it again just to get an accurate answer on that my thing was they were huge and then they're they just became so obsessed about finding the song that's supposed to unite that they just forgot about the music that they were playing and were producing shit because they were just 
grasping at straws as to what they thought was going to be. Yeah, and they were clear they were very desperate to find the song that unites humanity. The movie opens with them performing at a wedding for Missy and Ted's little brother Deacon. She's moved on. <laughs> Missy's again. back. Missy's back. Same actress. Same, Same actress. Act- yep. Yeah, she is uh she's a lot older than she was in the original films, but you know, God bless them for bringing back the original actress. For Absolutely. It. And oh, the yeah. father too. And the father. I mean, that was a great gag to continue into this new movie. And the guys are performing at this wedding and like they they play a series of instruments like they're just passing off instruments one after another. And it's just like this cacophony of like musical notes like no, it wasn't really a song so much as just a bunch of stuff mashed together. I believe it was Mongolian throat singing and the Thurman Thurman machine. Thurman. I can never say it right. But yeah. Right. Yeah. The thing from the Star Trek open. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that Sheldon Fingers. Cooper learns to play. Yep, and gets kicked out of the apartment. Yeah, <laughs> Big Bang Theory. Billy, you should watch that. I should. I have your DVDs. Yep. Let's go straight to the end here. How was this movie, Billy? You mentioned your thoughts. Yes, I have. I I oh. uh, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Feeny, where did you come in at? I you know was a little bit tepid because I was worried that they were going to try to overcompensate again with this new movie. Like you said, try to make more money, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was presently surprised and really enjoyed it. And so maybe because I went in feeling nervous and anxious about it, that kind of surprised me and which was good. So I expected it to be terrible too because it, you know, recapturing the magic of teenage boys <laughs> as middle-aged men even past middle-aged men uh, I had some trepidation going into it. What stood out in this movie for each of us? Um, I love seeing how they brought sort of elements of the first movie in, seeing historical characters. Um, it was an joy to see um, Louis Armstrong, one of my favorite musicians, being pulled in, and Jimi Hendrix. I love Jimi Hendrix, so That's just to cool. see those two together on the screen was fun. And <clears throat> The daughters, I have to really say, the daughters were fantastic to watch. I mean, Ted's daughter, you know, the actress, she must have watched the films or something because she had Keanu's mannerisms down. She just had the head shake and different things with the hair. It's just a joy to watch them try to portray their dads. And um, it was fun to see that station was included. But Before we move on from the daughters... I also wanted to say that they were incredible. And what I find just jaw-dropping about this is they were relatively unknown actresses, like especially Ted's daughter and how well she captured Keanu's essence. Like, she was phenomenal. She was great. She, she was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah, you looked it up after the film was done. You were surprised that they had no acting credits at yeah, all. Yeah, it wasn't that they had no credits, but, but they had very little. Like, very little and, like, no substantial roles and like yeah. this seemed like a big project to throw them into yeah because yeah. they were central figures in this movie yeah and then um yeah station well, was fun that he was snuck in at the end uh i agree station. i i take issue with this one like, I, I agree that it's fun that there's a reference to station but i'm disappointed with how they did it because like he was such a unique an interesting character in Bogus Journey, and now he's just like a dude, like a super duper smart dude, but he no longer looks like a Martian. He looks like a human being. And like, I guess, how do you do something sneaky like without? You split him into two little people. 
You have him literally break apart from the one person um, that he is into two smaller people. Keep him looking like human, but split him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like yeah. I think that the technology exists now that they could have done a believable enough job with that with CGI. That oh yeah, I'm I'm disappointed that they just had someone say station to say that he was station and just I I love the reference. I just don't I don't like the way they pulled off that okay. yeah. homage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I noted in this film, Bill and Ted looked really old. If it was supposed to be 25 years after the first movie, they'd be roughly 43. Like, I'm four years off from that. Like, if I look like that at 43, honey, like, are you still going to be hitting it? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I was surprised, too, with how close. (laughs) Nice. The, I don't know if it's just because of the filming, because I know makeup and stuff is showing up more on screens with close-up shots but one scene with Keanu is like whoa damn dude you look terrible (laughs) it's like I don't know if they made his makeup look made him try to make him look older or just he is older I would have put them at like 60 year olds in this film I I don't know how old are they in real life I mean Uh, they were 25 when they were playing high schoolers they were 25 Uh, so that would make them young 50s okay I don't know why they had him in their 40s. I mean, the other question is, why did they have younger women play the wives, too? It's like... Yeah, I mean, hopefully the actresses are still alive. Maybe they're not acting anymore. Like Possibly, but I don't know if it was a choice to make younger-looking females take the role. Yeah. Because yeah Keanu, Keanu Reeves is 56 years old. 56, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it would be really interesting to know why they went with different actresses for the wives. Like... I'm inclined to think that the original yeah, actors—they're both the same age, okay. by a year, by so a year, in their mid fifties. Okay, yeah. I'm inclined to think the actresses just aren't doing it anymore <clears throat> because they were so faithful in bringing back all the original actors in other instances. Like maybe they, uh, maybe they don't just do movies anymore, and so they wanted. Maybe they thought there was going to be more of an emphasis on the lead female characters, and they wanted someone with more chops. Like I don't know, it'd be really interesting to get the backstory. You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like. I understand if they chose not to go with the actresses because they the actresses were done with acting and didn't want to mm-hmm. be a part of it. But if they made a conscious choice, say, no, we're not going to hire you back because we're going to go with these. Younger, hotter. Non- right. Yeah, that would be yeah. a really yeah. thing. So, and hopefully they didn't do that. Yeah. So yeah. that's my only thing. It's like, if that's the reason why. But, you know, we'll probably never know the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. What if they had brought in... Uh, uh, what's her name that played Gwen Stacy and Gal Gadot to be the princesses, honey? Um, Red hairs and they dyed it blonde for young. Gwen Stacy. They would be too young. I mean, you would have to bring in someone Emma Stone? like... Is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah, she's too young. Um, Like Julia Roberts or someone of that age. You <laughs> Can know? you imagine Julia Roberts <laughs> being Bill and Ted? That would be awesome. It would be awesome. That would be pretty good. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm yeah. just trying to think of actresses who are in the age of Keanu and Alex. But um, yeah, the actresses did seem like they were the right age for these roles. Whereas Keanu and Alex Winter seemed like they were too old for their roles. Yeah. That, that's a good point too. Yeah. But, oh God! What I mean, if they, they were, recast Bill well, and Ted? Hang on. What they were, that well, been. they were. It was 1989 at San Dimas High School, and they were seniors in Excellent Adventure. So do the math. 18 plus 25. Yeah, so 53. they would have been 53. So mm-hmm. close to what their ages are now. I guess, If you yeah. think about it. Yeah. And their daughters are in their 20s. Oh, sorry, 43. Their 30, ages 30. would be 43. 43, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, 43. 43. So. Okay, so they're 10 years their junior in the movie, so. I mean, but their daughters are 20, so that would put the right timeline there. They were in their early 20s, probably when they had the kids, because they time traveled forward, came back with their kids. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And they kind of, going to that gig with the babies, they were boys in the second film. and it's But then they renamed them. The, yeah. yeah. But with the same names. Yeah. So Fee it's, and Billy. Yeah. It's yeah. fun that they ran with that gig. I do like that. Yeah. It was cute. So, but. There were a lot of themes that they pulled from the first two movies in this one. Uh, from like the girls going and collecting historical figures that felt very much like the first movie and going back yep. to see death that was very much from the second movie yep. Yep. I thought it was really fun how they tied those elements back in and I thought it was a better homage than like The Force Awakens which was essentially a retelling of A New Hope just with some new characters in place like the Death Star they didn't do anything as egregious as bring back the Death Star as star killer base. I see where you're going with your point and yeah you can I guess revamp a story without keeping it the same I guess my point is kudos to them for doing a good job with it like they brought back they worked in elements from the original films which made it feel familiar but they also made it feel fresh and not like a complete rip off of their former selves yep Yep. I'd have Mm -hmm. to agree with that yep we've talked a lot about the humor throughout these movies what were some of our favorite gags in uh, Face the Music yeah. I gotta go with Dave Grohl at first. Yeah, oh my goodness, that whole scene was very, just magical. Like that was just hilarious. Like when they just walk out of the mansion. Yeah. What the hell are you guys doing at my home, Dave so, Grohl? So Bill and yeah. Ted, they're jumping to the future to get the song from themselves. From they're trying to get to a point in the future where they've already written the song, so they can just give it to themselves, go back in time, perform the song, and save all of humanity. And so a couple of jumps in. They find themselves in this big mansion. Like, oh, we must have written this song now. Like, somehow they magically end up wherever they are in the future. But we're not going to dig too deep into how time travel works. Uh, And they get there, and, like, they're in this big mansion, and they seem successful, and they have British accents, and it's just this wonderfully funny scene. And uh, the future selves hand over the song, and Bill and Ted, present day Bill and Ted, are going to leave and go back in time and perform the song or do whatever, go to the future, wherever the they have to deliver this song back to the present yes <clears throat> and they open the door and there's dave grohl who i don't recognize on site i'm very thankful they made him say his name and he says i'm dave grohl what are you doing in my house <laughs> i i do great. have to i love that scene especially when the um future bill and ted start taking off all their yes uh, Accoutrements, you know, I think Keanu sticks out his belly and just they Drinking take the wigs. <laughs> it's just, it's again another gig that kind of is from the second movie with um, them portraying kind of evil versions of themselves, you know. Yes. You know, because the second movie was about the evil robots, but here they keep seeing different versions of themselves in the future, but they keep talking about how dickish they are yeah. and just how mean they are and it's just it's a fun piece that they kind of made brought from the second movie into this one yeah i so, agree can well, i can i say that i have a tie with dave Grohl though and it's definitely the robot uh i always forget his name caleb dennis caleb dennis caleb McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. What is it that you love about this robot that's sent from the future to kill Bill and Ted because, and ultimately like, accomplishes He seems so f- 
badass in the beginning, I and know. then he just turns into this like wimp that feels bad that he keeps killing the wrong people and not Bill and Ted. And then when he gets the opportunity to actually kill them, he can't he's do like, it. But you don't have the song, so I can't kill you. So I'm gonna kill myself. And then he becomes self-aware at that point, and it's so f- funny. It's I- so. F- funny when he becomes him like he's like my name is my name is, <laughs> it my is. Name is dennis caleb mccoy <laughs> <laughs> repeats that the entire time it's so funny it's great and especially when they're walking through um well he goes hell. to hell and like the hell maze <laughs> yeah it's like how did he get here but it's, the the workers of hell are like that's what the robot <laughs> <laughs> that's that's normal but the robot that's yeah. weird but i i have to agree with billy i love the robot because I thought, oh, this is an interesting thing, this killer robot coming, and then they do a complete 180. The twist, yes. Yeah, it's the just robot like, was so good. <laughs> it was hilarious. I have a slightly different stance from you oh, guys. Really? Like, I love it. Let's I, hear it. I, uh, I thought he was just very millennially. Like, I thought he was a stere- stereotypical millennial, and like, I don't know. He didn't do as much for me. Like, there were some definitely some funny bits with him, uh, but he didn't kill it for me like he appears to have for you guys i i really enjoyed it <laughs> i'm not saying like he stole the show or anything but his twist into becoming this like yeah dorky little robot that's like becoming like he's like oh, i want to play in the band and it's like you can go dance over there you know so like the, yeah. the way that they moved his character from like this ominous badass that's out there to kill to this like robot that's becoming like Oh, I was doing a bad thing, and then he killed himself, and then kind of where he went for that. Well, so that's why just why yeah. I appreciated where it went. Now I can also see one hundred percent that like he could have become self aware, and they could have just been done with it at that point, and they just kept rolling with it. So I could definitely see it as like, okay, we get it. You know, like, I did think it was funny when he was with Rufus's daughter at the end because he was named after one of her exes, the ex boyfriend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it's interesting if you think about the movie. It's like the robot's this badass, but like you said, when he keeps starting to kill the wrong person, you see the shift of the robot as, oh, as the process comes in. Is that uh, is this kind of an homage or a dig at the Terminator? Like the robot sent from the future to kill oh, somebody? I don't know what it is. But then a... he becomes self-aware and joins the good guys? Like, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't seen the original Terminator. I'm so. familiar with T2 Judgment Day. But... Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I don't know if someone just came up with it and thought this would be an interesting gag, you know. So, yeah. But, Yeah. We mentioned the robot in hell. I thought the guys greeting their daughters in hell was hilarious. It they was. used it in the trailer. That was good, all yeah. Over. It's like, how are you? Well, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're in hell. Oh. Yeah. But how are you? Yeah. Just really funny. And just mm-hmm. like the innocence of uh, Ted Theodore Logan there, was, it captured the heart of the first film for me in just one little exchange with his daughter. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, point. it's a great scene. And I... That was one scene from the trailer that I was like, oh, I can't wait till we get to hell to see the scene and see death, you know, but. Also, hell got a huge makeover in this movie. I'm surprised oh, yeah. there was Yeah, it did. I'm surprised they didn't try to make it look like Bogus Journey at all. Like, granted, Bogus Journey was weird when they're just on like these floating rocks attached by 
chained to the devil. Like yeah. I thought they would have worked that in somehow. Well, I mean, they revamped the whole futuristic look too of the world. And yeah, I suppose. True. So I mean, they just they didn't have the '90s look of the clothes. They didn't <laughs> stick with that. No neon in this. Movie. No, no neon. That would have been really cool. But hell, it's did, disappointing they didn't do that. Hell yeah. did look like hell in Doom. Yeah. In this movie, it reminded me of Doom when I first saw that. I yeah, was like, I totally oh, get okay. that. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, I totally agree there, man. Little bum, they didn't have any moments from their personal hell. That was something we didn't mention in a bogus journey, but I thought their adventure in hell was super interesting and just really entertaining. Like how Ted Theodore Logan was haunted by the Easter Bunny because he stole his little brother's candy. Yeah, dude, we forgot to talk about that. Good point. Yeah, yep. I thought, I mean, the whole hell and death sequence in bogus journey is probably the highlight of the whole film. For 100%. Me. Uh, I also thought it was pretty funny how the fabric of reality was fraying so historical figures were just starting to pop up all over the place every time they jump somewhere in their magic phone booth a dis- different historical figure would be ripped from their time and place and dumped somewhere else yep yep well i do um thought the scene you know even though we saw the gig um in the trailer with the like couples therapy you know couple you know they brought their wives but it was oh, that was so funny i read an interview they did uh people magazine is that yep, what you brought home yeah they said that was one of their favorite scenes to shoot and it was just so ludicrously funny how intertwined they were together it was almost like they're right hand left hand and not yeah. bill and ted <laughs> we and love you <laughs> i love you very much and so does ted <laughs> but it's just that whole thing and then the psychiatrist um or the therapist you know and couldn't believe that the wives were really from the past and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden this George Washington shows up on her nope, couch. Nope, 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 uh, nope. and she runs. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. Do any other gags stand out before we kind of get into our closing thoughts on the movie? I don't know. I mean, it was kind of fun to see how death and his whole talking about his solo career and they sued him and then the whole conflict between them and then the daughter's going in and just talking to him about his knowing his music and I mean I have to say the actor who plays death is wonderful to me yeah. he is death it's yeah. like <laughs> I'm glad he came back and reprised me too his role. it wouldn't have been the same with anybody else it really wouldn't have no yeah. but it was wonderful to see that so yep I gotta agree with that one to tie in so to kind of bring up what I perceived as a negative with the movie, I thought the love of music was a little bit forced. When I think about the essence of Bill and Ted, yes, they're in a band. Yes, Wild Stallions is supposed to become a big band, but it's not like they, they were these musical geniuses, and I feel like they relied a little heavily on the love of music in the family in this third movie. Like, I, I can get the daughters being really into music and assembling the band, but I felt like there was a connection between Bill and Ted and musical composition that just felt a little strained or forced to me. Did you guys feel that at all, or am I crazy on this? I wouldn't say forced. I mean, they're, they're always keeping up with the wanting to be in a band thing and, mm-hmm. like, the over-obsession of needing to find this song. I thought they did a good job on, like, bringing it into real life, like you're really obsessing about this and it's actually starting to affect everybody and you're being selfish about it. The selfishness is a good point. Like I could buy into them uniting humanity after one big hit at the end of bogus journey. And like 
that could launch someone into a political career, put them in a spotlight, and then you can grow from there. But like to me, the point was about the time travel and the camaraderie and like the journey together, and not about like the end result of being perfect musicians. I mean, I guess the thing is, is that they wanted to be in a band, and that's in the first movie. In the second movie, they get good at the music. But yeah, their whole life becomes music because they have to create the song. So it can be, I can see it being that way because they have to try every instrument. They have to figure out how to write the song because that's what they told they were supposed to do, you know. Unite the world through music, and so I can see them just throwing themselves into music, and that's our whole world. That's a good point. I'm trying to wrap up our thoughts on this film. Feeney, you asked a great question was we were doing show prep. How did we like the twist in the end where it's the daughters who united the world and not Bill and Ted? I think that is an excellent, excellent question that you came up with. Mm-hmm. I, nope. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I can't get my thoughts around it because I enjoyed the movie. It was I liked the whole beginning to end. But it's like, well, that kind of makes the whole premise of Bill and Ted being the original movies, being the wild stallions who united the world. A mute point. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. them anymore. It's the daughter. So right. I feel like it kind of erases the two earlier movies, I guess. Not races, but, you know, the idea behind them. So, Billy, do you have thoughts on it? I don't know how I felt about it. Like, I see where they were going with it. Like, it's been about family the entire time. It's been about the daughters. I think it was, uh, I don't know, an easy way to get around it. But you do make a good point where it was like the Wild Stallions were Bill and Ted. And they were supposed to be the ones to unite it. So, yeah, it was a weird thing to be like. But you kind of just went along with it. Yeah, you do. You're just kind of like, okay. Yeah. You just got in the phone booth and ripped through time. I mean, right. You're not surprised by anything in these movies. So you're just like, sure, okay, the daughters are the actual ones. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like being involved in music for such a long time, I always get weirded out when, like, you know, especially in the Bill and Ted ones, where they're like, "We're gonna create the best song ever to unite the world," and then you kind of cringe at it when they create the song. So I was just like, I don't know how I felt about the ending. You know, I think they should have just been like, guitar riff with the daughters, and then freeze frame credits, and they save the world. Ah, uh, instead know. of jumping into it like a full bore concert. But I see where they were going. It's yeah. the cheesy feel good way to end things. You know, that's a good point. Just have the it all set up about them to start to play and then play and then freeze in is you know I have kind of mixed feelings about it on the one hand like I like how it worked out and I really enjoyed the film so that's good what I appreciate is that they were willing to grow and adapt if they had been rigid to this is all about Bill and Ted true um, and we're going to stick with that no matter how these films grow and evolve then we're looking at how I met your mother that's true. Where the ending <laughs> is just wretched. Yeah. And it should have ended differently, but they had a plan from the beginning. And, and that's how it had to go. Love it or hate it, they stuck to that plan even when there was a better alternative. Yeah. So I appreciate that they are willing willing to grow. Like, I don't know. I like the daughters. I'm happy with the movie, but maybe I would have been happier if Bill and Ted had been the final like focal point. 
I guess, I don't know, the family together, because the wives didn't even play at all. And they were part of Wild Stallions, too. You know, it's like... It's true. If they were in the band. Yeah. It just... They kind of shafted the wives in all three movies, if you really think about it. Yeah. I thought they did in this third movie, too. Right. You know. Because I didn't get the point that them talking to their wives would make them not want to be with them, so they travel around different timelines. I didn't quite understand all that. Yeah. I think... The point was the future wives went back to present day wives to show them the different timelines to show them that they are happiest in the here and now. But they didn't. They didn't make that very clear. They so didn't. No. They tried to make time travel a, like they tried to get into it a lot in this one. And they had and three they just different groups have, traveling through time. They just and didn't have fun with it like they yeah. did in the last two. Where it was like they're just fucking time traveling, man. Like we're not going to get into it. Yeah. And they're like, let's bring Kid Cudi in here and explain it in like a scientific way. And it's yeah. like, just go with it, man. Just have fun like you did in the first yeah. two movies. That's but that I was Station, dude. <laughs> I know it was Station. <laughs> that was a poor Station. But it was a bad choice for Station. You know, they didn't do that much time travel in Bogus Journey. Just like the guys, the like at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they, they went to hell. Yeah, they, yeah, they went to hell and they came back. That's interesting. I didn't. I kind of glossed over that. Mm-hmm. Rewatching the film. Yep. Well, I enjoyed the movie very much, and I think it's a fun ending. You can debate whether or not it's fitting, but I think it's a fun ending to the Bill and Ted trilogy. Do you guys have any other closing thoughts or anything else you want to get off your chest about Bill and Ted? No, I don't think so. I, I think it's I. I think they did a good job. I think they brought the original writers back. I think they brought a cohesive story together. And I wasn't too disappointed, which it was enjoyable. So, Yep. I'd say I wasn't disappointed. I thought it was, they did a fine job for a movie 25 plus years old. You know what I mean? They've made worse movies mm-hmm. like Anchorman 2. I thought it was terrible. I didn't care for the first one that much. Zoolander 2, terrible. Never dumb saw it. Dumb and Dumber, er, er, terrible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These movies that they try to rebuild, revamp these things that were so huge in the early 2000s or the late 90s. Yeah. It's hard to catch lightning in a bottle twice. <clears throat> and for once, they didn't do a bad job. I'm not going to say this was like the epic movie of 2020, but as a Bill and Ted lover, I thought they actually did a pretty decent job. Yeah. <laughs> you just said, you know, Bill and Ted lover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Brown chicken, brown, 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 brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> well, Billy, Phoenix, thank you both so much. This has been a long and very fun discussion about <laughs> Bill and Ted. Remember when we said this wasn't going to be long? Like, yeah, we did, long. didn't we? I loved it. It's great. This yeah, was fun. It was. Yeah, well, we didn't have Papa John's knocking on the door like they have a police. That's very true. <laughs> next month we plan to welcome scott back to the show along with special guest host brian shade digital editor at game informer to discuss sonic the hedgehog that'll be a fun one i'm looking forward to hearing that yeah. Yeah, hopefully everything works out as planned we'll see how it goes thank you so much for listening please review outside is overrated on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting our show on patreon at patreon.com slash oil one more time you can follow us on social Mrs. Underscore Outside is overrated. <laughs> On the Instagram, Billy is a very private person and doesn't believe in putting his thoughts and pictures of himself on the internet. So you can hit me up at Tom Sidlachik OIO on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show at Facebook.com/slash Outside is overrated. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids.
Be excellent to each other. And be excellent. Now you're supposed to say and party on, dude. Party on, dude. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated. God messed up the name of the show. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. I'll be back after I eat. Thanks for watching on Facebook. This is fantastic. Hello, my name is Francis. Hey, Francis. Oh, that's not my name. <laughs> Man. Man, I did it again. Again. <sighs> yes. Michelle yeah. wants to snuggle with your kitty. And that is not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know how to turn it off, so everyone just keeps smiling, waving, smiling, waving, smiling, waving, smile, 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 Just close out of the window. Yeah. I'm not stopping it. End live video, bottom, end live video, bottom left. Control or delete! Yay! There it is. <laughs> <laughs>